It's Megan, the host of the B2B Content Corner podcast, and I wanted to pop in at the beginning of this episode before we get started because this episode is a little bit different than what we've been doing on the podcast until now. So until now, we've been doing a lot of solo episodes, and we even introduced an episode that was snippets from experts within the field, which was fantastic. Now, I want to start gearing this podcast to bring in more original insight from people within my community. And the very first person that I will be bringing onto the podcast is someone within my Berlin community, and her name is Nicole. And that is the voice that you will hear having a conversation with me in this next podcast episode, which I hope you will enjoy. Now, just as a little disclaimer, uh, this is recorded in COVID times, and we had to do the recording in a room. Um, at a local co-working places with the window open. So it might be a little bit loud, it might not be the best quality, but I assure you that the insight that's going to come from Nicole will be absolutely fantastic and it will be worth your time. So I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the B2B Content Corner Podcast. My name is Megan Thudium and thank you for joining us today. I'm usually the host of the podcast, but today we have a special podcast episode where we will be having a guest. And our guest today is Nicole Goslick, Senior Content Marketing Manager at Uberall, a global B2B SaaS company based in Berlin, Germany, with offices around the world. She's originally from Vancouver, Canada, but she's now been living in Berlin for over two years. She's a close personal friend of mine, and I'm very happy to have her on the podcast today. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me today, Megan. We're excited to have you on the podcast, and I know that you will have a lot of great insights on LinkedIn. So today, our podcast episode is all about LinkedIn employee advocacy and how to build this program in your B2B company. And Nicole has been working on this for about the last year at Uberall, and she has been doing some wonderful things on building this program up, getting leads, getting some engagement, having content posts go viral. She's been doing great work. So this podcast is all about her today and how she has built this program from scratch and the success that she has had along the way. So to start off our conversation, I want to hear your story, Nicole. How did you start this program and how have you been leveraging this employee-generated content at Uberall? Well, you know, Megan, it actually started out as an experiment. Um, in January, we realized that our organic content promotion was lagging and we didn't have a lot of extra budget to do um, paid advertising and we just really weren't um, leveraging the organic side as, as best as we could. So I started to just poke around on LinkedIn and I was seeing a lot of new ways that companies were speaking to their prospects, to their customers, and actually sharing their, their white papers, their reports, actually on LinkedIn. Uberall had never tapped into this opportunity, so I thought, hey, why don't we try it? So it actually started with me, and the, uh, the post that I first did was very benign, and it actually had nothing to do with what we were selling. It had to do with a meditation class that I hosted, and that one post turned into 5,000 views. Um, and I think it was two days and it actually went viral. And so I thought, hey, there's something to this. Okay, so that one post, um, it sort of just tipped, it just tipped me off and it gave me, you know, sort of a, 
gave me a thrill, it gave me a buzz, and I thought, hey, if this could get to 5,000 views, what else could we do with actual content that is a little bit more interesting than me leading a meditation class at work? Great, so this is the program that you've been putting together, right? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so the program, it's like I said, it started in January. It started with me and one person in our HR department. He was already engaged, so I was sort of preaching to the choir with him. Um, then I started to just ask different people who I knew were maybe a bit more extroverted online and who had follow, a follower count of more than 1,000. So my first step was to look through everybody at Uberall to see how many followers they had and how comfortable they would be sharing our content. I started with sales uh, because that was pretty, pretty natural. They were, our sales folks were already out there talking to people. Um, and I looked at marketing as well. And so from there, I took posts, um, sorry, from there, I started drafting posts for people in the company. So I took the pressure off them. A lot of people feel nervous about writing, don't know what to say, or simply don't have time. So from there, I just thought, hey, if I could just write posts for people, maybe that would make it easier for them. So that's how it started. So I just began helping people out by writing posts and showing them how to post and when to post. That doesn't make sense. Yes, it does. Okay, yeah. so... You gave them a tactical plan. You gave them a plan yeah. of action. Yeah. So I took the pressure of writing away from people who had big followers, right? Mm -hmm. And I did that because I knew there was a lot of fear in the company about writing. Um, I've been working as a professional writer for more than 10 years. So writing comes a lot more easy to me than it does to maybe somebody who works in sales and doesn't have to write too much and maybe they're on the phone a lot more. So this genre, this medium was, was pretty easy for me and I, and I really wanted to do it and I really wanted to create conversational, human-centric posts that our employees would feel comfortable sharing online, that weren't salesy, that weren't download this report, read this article. I wanted to start just sort of just, just creating a buzz about our company online through authentic, human-focused conversations. I really like that. Human-focused and authentic conversations. So a little bit, I'm a little curious on how you decided what content to kind of distribute to them because in the end, this is through their personal profiles, right? It's a social media platform, so you have to kind of stick to their voice um, and also have... Be, you can't post, if they hate basketball, you can't post about basketball, right? Like, it's kind of a funny example. But how did you decide on what content to um, put together for your, your team? Mm -hmm. That's a question I get asked a lot, especially from my manager. Um, I didn't know, I knew enough people in the company to, to start to warm my way in to what people might like. What I first did is something one of my journalism teachers taught me 10 years ago is I did a genre analysis. So first I took a look at everything that Uber all had. Then I looked at 10 people who may actually resonate with these pieces of content. And I started with um, how-to guides, um, really like, um, like ports, that sort of thing. Things that would actually be useful to their prospects. So I looked for content assets that would resonate with their prospects. And then I picked up the phone or got on Slack and said, hey, you know, John, I have this white paper that um, someone on my team wrote. 
would this be something of interest for your prospects? And sometimes they didn't even know that we had this particular asset. So they said, yeah, I would love it. I had no idea we even had that. So it was a new kind of way to connect with people in the company and get them actually more excited about the brand. For example, one of our junior marketers on the team hadn't really used LinkedIn before, but she was just organizing her first webinar and she was really excited about this webinar. And she came to me and she said, how can we get people to sign up at this webinar? And I said, how would you say to a friend, how would you tell a friend or how would you tell your mom about this webinar? And she said, what do you mean? And I said, speak like you'd speak to your friend. So she went back to her desk. 15 minutes later, she wrote this really cool story about an upcoming webinar. And she sourced a, like a Toy Story GIF online. And within a few hours, her post had only 800 views. And I don't think she'd ever even done a, a post before. And it garnered 25 likes, three comments. And um, to make a long story short, I think this was one of the biggest webinar signups we ever had for this particular audience based on this post. So that was in January. And that's when I knew that there was a real opportunity here. So I thought, if another, if somebody is just sharing um, sort of maybe from their heart why this webinar would, would benefit somebody else with a very fun, you know, meme they found online, I thought, okay, this resonates with people. Why don't we start doing more of this? And so that's when the experiment began. So we stepped away from beautifully polished marketing posts into these funny, um, I guess they almost, in some ways, they almost felt a bit more like Facebook. Of course, we still keep professional and they're still, we won't want to show photos of what we did on the weekend or anything like that. Uh, but we began having conversations like we would to our friends or colleagues. So that's how it started. Following up with that, one of our um, senior sales uh, managers in Amsterdam he he put on um, or he presented um, he presented at a big trade show. This was um, just right before the pandemic, so he was able to travel and attend a trade show in person or a, a conference or something. And he, when he came back, he said, "You know, we did this presentation, and everybody keeps asking me before my slide deck." And I said well, I think this would be a really good opportunity to put it on LinkedIn. He goes, oh, just put it up the slide deck. I go, no, why don't you tell people what you experienced at the event, who you met, what you did, what you liked. He said, really? Would people actually care about that? I said, absolutely they would. He said, I don't know if it would work. And I said, why don't you try it? He's like, well, I said, what do you have to lose? He said, okay. He said, well, will you help me write it? I said, sure. I said, if you can just get me the high level bullet points, I can help you turn that into a story because he was really worried about actually writing because he wasn't comfortable um, writing. Okay, so in a few hours, his post had 2,548 views. It trended the next day. Um, it had four comments, 38 likes. It, it just sort of went through the roof and he's been one of my biggest uh, supporters since January. Somebody I actually had never even met in my life. I just liked what he did on LinkedIn. I think he had a follower count of 10,000 
And I thought, hey, this is somebody whose network is just not, this is somebody with a network that we can really tap into. Somebody that, a network that's already engaged in what we do. So, and he, and from that, we have formed a friendship. Um, he posts, you know, minimum two times a month for us. And um, he loves the thrill of seeing his posts like, and he likes when his prospects message him about it. And um, he's been able to make some really great connections with people from his LinkedIn. I like this um, tactic that you have that you actually more talked about in the beginning of this conversation, but how you choose what mm -hmm. employees to actually mm -hmm. nurture and kind of build them up and build up their profile. So can you elaborate on more of how you mm -hmm. have chosen that criteria or how you went about this analysis of their profiles? Mm -hmm. um, that's funny. Actually, I, I listed that all out. I built a strategy around that last January. I didn't necessarily go for big following because as we know, Megan, um, in LinkedIn, you don't have to have a big following to actually have a strong presence or a strong engagement. Um, but what I did is I started with, I, 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 had to I had to start somewhere. So I started with people with, like I said, more than a thousand followers. And I went with the ones at the top first, the ones that had the 10,000, 5,000 followers. Because I knew it might be easier to get them on board because they were already sort of on board, right? So I went with the people I thought would be easiest to, I don't want to say convince, but yeah, easiest to convince um, right away. And I figured that if, if they saw momentum, if they saw traction, then other people would say, hey, I want more of that too. I want that too. I see that. Glenn is doing this, I want to do it too. So I wanted people to have, to, to want to be, to be part of this group, right? I wanted it to be inclusive, um, but I wanted people to actually want to be there because I knew the only way it would work was to, there's the analogy or the expression, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I knew we would not get to where we needed to be in three months. And as we know in content marketing, we don't, we don't get places in three months and especially in B2B, it's a long road to purchase. I knew I would need a year to get this off the ground. I had pressure though from people saying, we need to see something in three months. And I said, well, I don't think that is possible. I went with people who I knew I could onboard quickly. And I didn't need to show a lot of data or spreadsheets to. They would just, they would just start to do it with me. So that's how I started. And I chose people that were a little bit naturally more extroverted. And I went with sales because a lot of the, the sales team and the SDRs are comfortable speaking to people and they're on the phones all day long and they're naturally inclined to want to sell the company because that's their bread and butter. That's their life. So I stayed away from those who are a little bit more behind the scenes and maybe more introverted and maybe don't like sharing too much about themselves. I went with people that were a little bit more that like to show photos of themselves, even though we wouldn't do that on LinkedIn, but like to talk about themselves a bit more. I think this is very clever. I like this approach. So how many people are in your program now? Well, it, um, it's funny. There was me and HR, and now we have, we have about 15 that are fully engaged. In my actual LinkedIn pod, our engagement pod, um, which, Megan, I'm sure you're going to cover in a different topic, my pod now has 50 members, so it started as two, and now we're at 50. Um, 
Of those that are always engaged, I'd say probably about 50%. Okay. Mm-hmm. And are people writing content for themselves now, or are you still helping them? Some are actually writing for themselves. And um, this has started to sort of naturally happen about two months ago. It took about six months, I think, for people to feel, first of all, to see that what they were doing actually made a difference. Second of all, that other people were branching out from what I wrote and doing their own thing. And I was trying as well to lead by example by making myself a lot more vulnerable than I probably had ever been on social media, right? Sharing personal stories. I mean, of course not, you know, gut-wrenching, sad stories, but but being a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit, and being more open about maybe struggles or just sharing more than I'd ever actually shared on a professional network before. And so when people would see my posts getting up to 5,000 views and, and trending and, and things like that, people were like, wow, what are you doing? You know, what's the secret? I said, the only secret is, is I'm being myself. Um, and I didn't realize that that would actually interest other people. Right? So I kind of took off the mask, I took off the marketing mask, and I was like, I'm going to talk to people like I would if I was sitting in a room with them. And I'm going to try my best not to, I'm going to try my best to show and not tell. I'm not saying I do that great with every post, because it doesn't work that way. Um, but slowly people began to become more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And now I'm seeing a lot of people just putting things in the pod that they've written and, and asking for comments and engagement, I see people taking a lot more risks and mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's thrilling because sometimes I'm kind of like, okay, it, you've got three more months and I think you will all be on your own, but I knew it would take a year. Mm. That's, so it's definitely like you said, it's a, not a sprint, it's a marathon. marathon. It's mm-hmm. a long-term marathon, <laughs> but that's great to mm-hmm. see the engagement and also to see them excited about it. Mm-hmm. I think, but it takes time, and that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing. It's not something that happens in three months. Now, we do know LinkedIn is doing a lot of crazy algorithm stuff at the moment, yes. and have you had any struggles with, you know, keeping the momentum up over the last year? Mm-hmm. Things dip because of the algorithm. You know, people don't get excited as excited about it anymore. Can you share anything on that? Yeah, I think during COVID, we took, um, I really, during Q2, I really, I didn't, bother people as much and um, we still kept the organic content promotion and we still kept the employee advocates up but I I was very wary of not overdoing it during that time you know Um, so I I took a little bit of a step back and it was that time I was like are we going to keep this going I mean there was a lot of unknowns for us I was still following the algorithm closely and I was still doing all the right things the Lincoln comments the um, oh gosh, there's so many, there's so many little tips and tricks, aren't there? Uh, images, uh, where to put the links, where to put the links, yeah. call to actions, um, yeah. hashtags. Um, I joined a LinkedIn engagement pod, um, as well. So yeah, I, I kept it going. Um, but I could see that participation and enthusiasm was waning. By the time we were tipping into Q3, you know, life was coming to this new normal again. And I saw an opportunity for us to, to really get on board and again, keep building authentic connections with our prospects. So 
To make a long story short, there is a lot of dips and highs and lows and keeping up that momentum and keeping people engaged and happy is like, what's that saying? Like herding cats, right? So it's not easy. I, I, I will get messages from people sometimes on the weekend saying, why didn't my post do so well? How come I only got 200 views when last week I got 5,000 views? And I say, we did everything right. We follow what we're supposed to do in the LinkedIn algorithm. Um, we even have contacts at LinkedIn that I've met with to, to talk to them about this algorithm. And sometimes it's a crapshoot. We had one woman on the team. Um, she wasn't even in our LinkedIn team. She did some post about working from home. Fun posts, but nothing to do with sales or Uber all or white papers. It got more than 100,000 views. Yeah, and I mean, so sometimes the, the algorithm, we, we can't predict. Um, as we know, there is a human that sits behind at LinkedIn or humans and say, whether this post should shoot up or, or this should not. So we didn't let that determine, or like I didn't let that discourage us. And I would actually have to come in like a cheerleader and be like, hey, shoulders back, head up. It's a marathon, not a sprint. You're not gonna trend every time. It's about consistency and showing up. If it's once a week, if it's two times a week, three times, even if it's once a week, you have to show up. So I lost people in the beginning because it was too much for them, because they couldn't, they didn't see the, the end result coming. They knew, oh God, I've got to do another post. I've got to do this. I'm like, come on, I'll help you. Um, and the ones that stuck around are like, wow, this actually works. So this program isn't for the faint of heart, correct? You had to have multiple hats on. You weren't just the strategist, <laughs> the writer, um, putting it together, helping them schedule it, but also the cheerleader, um, getting them excited about keeping it going, and also pulling leadership in. And maybe you can share a little bit on mm -hmm. that really quickly, is how to get leadership on board and how long it took them to actually get them on board. Leadership was not easy. My manager believed in me and believed in the program. Um, but I didn't have the data points together enough to, to really get people on board. I couldn't actually, I knew what we were doing was valuable because I was measuring it in the background manually. I knew it was working, but I wasn't able to, to show our SVP of marketing or one of our co-founders, hey, this is how many clicks, this is how many content views, anything. It was sort of all piecemealed together. So people didn't take it that seriously. They didn't actually realize what we were doing behind the scenes. My manager said to me, look, we have to, we have to show how this is working. And I don't have a data background. I'm not entirely driven by data. I'm getting a lot better at it. Um, and my strengths are more creative writing and bringing people together and maybe acting as that cheerleader. So writing, cheerleader, um, keeping people engaged, it was not data. So I was very terrified and I didn't know how I could show this. So I met with actually a data specialist at our work and I let her know what I needed. I showed her where everything was and she was able to pull it together into a beautiful dashboard that makes sense to anybody reading it. So I wouldn't need to explain what anything meant. Um, you could actually just look at this dashboard and say, okay, these are the many clicks to here, how many organic views, how many posts we did. and um, it wasn't until I had this dashboard that people began noticing and people began commenting. 
Most recently, one of our biggest clients um, in the UK reached out to someone on the team and said, hey, I've noticed how cohesive Uberall is and I love what you guys are doing on LinkedIn. I really see this community forming and he's known for community building. He's a very esteemed marketing leader. So to have that, um, that confirmation from him um, in some ways actually was more impactful than getting um, leadership to, to see what I was doing, right? Because it, in the end, we're here to serve our customers. We want our customers happy. We want our prospects to be happy. Of course, I want leadership to be happy too, but now our customers are noticing. So now our customers are noticing, now leadership is noticing, and um, we really have buy-in. So I, I'm, I'm hoping to see our numbers go even higher in Q4, actually. Yeah, great. Mm -hmm. So you've had a lot of success with this program. That is for sure. Now we have to wrap it up because <laughs> we try to keep these podcast episodes digestible. Um, but what is three takeaways that you think somebody could start tomorrow and start building their employee advocacy program? I think it's important to remember you don't need a lot of followers um, at all. And you don't need to, um, maybe, you don't need to have the content ultra polished every time. You know, sometimes done is better than nothing. Just right? get started. Just get started, right? Mm -hmm. and, and keep, just, you know, think if your best friend was in front of you, right? Or your grandma or something, right? Keep it, keep it maybe simple or, and keep it, keep it conversational. Um, the, sales, the salesy stuff doesn't work anymore. I don't know if it ever really has on LinkedIn. Uh, consistency, join an engagement pod. Um, it's fun to cheer other like-minded people on. It's fun to have them cheer your stuff on. So it's, it's a great way to get support. My engagement pod I joined um, is, actually with, is, is actually through Megan and um, through, other, um, through other marketers uh, in our community was sort of my support network when sometimes I may have felt that I didn't have a lot of buy-in or support in my company. So I was, I reached out to a community that I knew was vested, was interested, was already on board. I, I kept sticking with people that I knew liked this stuff, for lack of a better word. And I just sort of waited a bit for the naysayers or the people that, you know, didn't see as much value in it. I knew they would come around eventually. So seek out your people, seek out people like you. I love that tip. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much today, Nicole, for joining us. This is a fantastic talk on LinkedIn advocacy and how to build this program up. You've done a fantastic job at Uberall putting this together. And I think it's only the beginning. It'll only get better from here because they have you, the strategist and the cheerleader for Uberall. <laughs> so, Nicole, how can people find you online? Um, please find me online at LinkedIn, of course, which is my favorite uh, platform. So linkedin.com uh, forward slash Nicole Gotzelig. Thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that podcast episode with Nicole. She brought a lot of original insight to the episode that was just fantastic. And I know you have a lot of tidbits that you can take away and now use in your own employee advocacy program for LinkedIn. 
Now, just as a gentle reminder, the way that podcasts get noticed in the world is actually through podcast reviews. So if you enjoy this episode and if you are tickled to death to, to do a review, I would be so happy. Just leave a review on Apple Podcasts and that helps us get known by more people who are interested in B2B marketing. And if you never want to miss a podcast episode, the best way is to actually sign up for our email list. And you get to the email list by going to mtcthecontentagency.com slash B2B Content Corner Podcast. And there you can sign right up for the newsletter. And so you are always notified in batches of when the next episode drops and is available for you to listen. So with that, I'm going to sign off for today and I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. We have a few more episodes left in the season and then we'll be back in the new year with a new season on the B2B Content Corner podcast.